This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode three of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. Today, we're gonna be continuing part two of episode two, what makes a low maintenance yard? So we're going to talk about some more things that you can do in your landscape, your yard, that can save you time and energy so you can have more time to do the things you love. In episode two, we talked about several things we can do to make a low maintenance yard. The first thing and most important, which we also talked about in more depth in episode one, was your mindset, that your life is more important than your yard. While this may seem funny to point out, I think a lot of times we have this flipped where we prioritize our maintenance chores over the things that are more important in our lives. So the very first and most important thing is this mindset piece. And that's why I've continued to talk about it, even though you may have heard about it already. And again, like I said in episode two, if you haven't gone back and heard episode one in this mindset piece, I strongly encourage you to go and do that because this piece is very important, although it might seem obvious when we talk about it. The other thing we talked about was healthy plants. Having a healthy plant makes a happy plant, makes an easy plant to take care of. In addition, healthy soil. Healthy soil provides the foundation for healthy plants. The right plant in the right place makes a huge difference. Perennials versus annuals in your garden. And followed up by grouped plantings versus isolation of each plant as individual specimens. So that kind of wraps up a a summary of what episode two was about. If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go back and check it out for more details. And we'll get into some more cool stuff today that we can talk about to make your yard more low maintenance and more beautiful at the same time. The first one we're going to talk about is low resource plants. What I mean by low-resource plants are plants that don't require a lot of inputs. There are certain plants that require a lot of fertility or a lot of effort to maintain. They might require a certain condition that you don't have present in your landscape already. So, for example, we actually have some... This is a mistake I made in our landscape. We have some blueberry bushes in our front yard because I love blueberries. The plant itself actually is, is a very attractive plant. Our base soil is alkaline or high pH or basic. Those all mean the same thing for uh, for you non-science nerds. And blueberries require acidic soil conditions. I planted them where we used to have some, some yew bushes. And generally speaking, uh, pines and evergreens, uh, they acidify soil. So I thought, well, if I pull these these uh, evergreen bushes out and replace them with some black or blueberry bushes they actually might thrive in this soil. Well, as it turns out, because our base soil is highly alkaline, the the soil has begun to revert to its alkaline conditions, and these plants have struggled in that space. So in order to keep these plants to thrive, I need to go and maintain the soil pH to allow them to grow properly. So by low-resource plants, not only having the right plant in the right place, but plants that don't require inputs of fertility or other conditions. A lot of times uh, a plant may require a lot of um, 
fertilizing to continue its growth year after year at the extent you want or to continue blooming the level of flowers you want on them or whatever. Some examples of low-resource plants are the uh, most commonly the ones that grow in horrible, horrible conditions. Uh, a lot of times these are weeds, unfortunately, but there are some very beautiful plants that can grow in minimal resources. And most often I think about, when I think of low-resource plants, I think about plants that are native to the North American prairie. While the prairie itself can be a very fertile ecosystem, a lot of those plants can thrive in poor conditions to establish themselves and to begin growing. So some an example there could be like a um like goldenrod is a, is become, quickly becoming a very um accepted plant in the garden as a beautiful accent to your late summer and your fall with their beautiful golden uh flowers. That's a great example of a low resource plant. It doesn't require a whole lot. It can maintain itself, take care of itself on its own, and it will provide you with beauty at the right time. Next, we're going to talk about full coverage. So this is kind of in um, plays together with what we talked about with group plantings previously, but full coverage goes beyond that and saying, if you think about most people's garden beds, you see a a plant here, uh, a clump of plants there, and in between there's a lot of space. And the more you can crowd that space with over without overcrowding it uh, and, and making your plants struggle, the tighter you can put your plants, the less space you give opportunity for, for plants that you don't want, such as your typical weed plants. So you, and if you don't want dandelions growing in your garden, one great way to do that is prevent the space from being even opened in the first place. So if you provide an open, available space, odds are eventually something's going to grow there that you probably don't want. So by covering your space more completely, you prevent unwanted growth of other things. Now, this coverage can be in plants, which I generally recommend because the more full foliage you have, the less you have to continue to keep that space and replenish it with other things that are... um, inanimate, uh, such as mulch or rock or, or whatever you're filling that space with. So if you're filling it with plants that can take care of themselves, they do the work for you without you having to do it. Uh, some examples of full coverage, full coverage uh, plantings is uh, if you have, a, say, a flower bed, right, and you have your flowers that grow somewhere between a foot to two feet tall, and maybe behind it you have a small backdrop with a, a shrub or two, and um, maybe even a small accent tree. Well, in between these small flowers, you can also plant a ground cover. And this would be a low-growing plant that maybe doesn't provide a whole lot of aesthetic value on its own, but altogether it pulls the whole design together by creating a carpet of foliage that prevents weeds from sprouting through and filling that space. Other things you can do for this full coverage, if, if you don't have uh, plants available to grow there or you can't find the right plant for the right place, is you can also fill it with uh, things such as mulch, or uh, so a wood mulch, 
um, or even a rock mulch, as some people like to call it, just uh, a gravel slash rock bed um, around your plants. There are certain advantages and disadvantages to mulch and rock. Um, when you're thinking of mulch, it's something over time you will have to re- continue to replace to prevent weed growth. And you definitely want to have the right mulch. We'll get into that in more detail in the future. Um, in rocks as well, um, you, you have to make sure you remove any debris that might pile up on top of them. Or eventually, it will provide a substrate on top of the rock for uh, weeds to grow. So there are some caveats to if you want to use something non-living like a mulch or some other type of uh, covering there. So just something to think about. Now let's talk about the lawn. We haven't really touched up a whole lot upon your lawn yet. And for most people, this is one of the biggest time investments in a landscape is the lawn because it covers so much area of your property. And most people do want this beautiful green carpet in front and behind their house for relaxing, for aesthetic appeal, and to let their kids or grandkids play on it. Uh, this might be you, and that's the, all of those desires are totally fine. However, with the typical American lawn, it's a huge time investment that, for me, I find it as a drain, to be honest. And yes, while I like to have space to relax and to play and and to see my kids play, I don't like to be taken away from playtime by having to cut the grass and be out there every weekend when it's really hot in usually non-optimal times when we don't have things scheduled I have to go do these chores where it might be sometimes it's 90 degrees out and that's the only time I can cut the grass. So let's talk about how we can reduce lawn maintenance. Well, first, just by simple scheduling uh, of our tasks and blocking them together and trying to spread them out more, we can reduce the number of times we have to uh, maintain our lawn. So that's a big piece there. Uh, Additionally, we can... We can, <laughs> this is kind of going back into the mindset piece, but if we're not so hung, hung up on having a totally spotless lawn that everybody's envious of just because it's a uniform massive green of all the same size blade with the same proportions and the same height, if we kind of let go of that feeling of need to control the space, it'll free up a lot of our stress and a lot of our um, energy. So if, if it, you determine maybe it's okay to, if, there, if one or two dandelions creep into my lawn or a couple here and there, or maybe there's some clover or, or whatever, you're not so hung up on having to go spray your lawn, having to go mow it all the time, uh, having to go weed it. And this by itself will save a lot of energy and stress. And that's very important. Now, there are all sorts of extremes here. And you can have a very low-maintenance lawn that looks horrible uh, in in some people's minds. Or you can have a very low-maintenance lawn that can be very appealing. But um, across that spectrum, there's a significant change in the mindset piece that you have to have in order to get to that point. And it's a a, a lot different type of space than your typical American lawn. So right now... Generally speaking, most people cut their grass at right around two inches, maybe even lower. Um, And in order to maintain that uniform height without weeds, it usually requires a significant investment of time 
and chemical inputs. In order to maintain that appearance and that um, uniformity. Now, when you want to transition to something that's less maintenance, I do strongly require or recommend uh, a chemical-free lawn. And that transition period does take a time investment to, first of all, free yourself from the feeling of needing to maintain it uh, to a certain uh, standard as well as the time for your grass and the soil underneath it to adapt to the new situation, to the new lifestyle it has. Generally speaking, with our typical chemical-treated lawn, you're killing the soil with the application of the synthetic herbicides uh, that you apply to it and the synthetic fertilizers that you apply to it. So while it gives the physical appearance of health, Underneath, the, the grass plants themselves are really struggling, and the soil underneath it is also dying at the same time. And that's why if you find that you start this process, you continue to need to reapply it on a more frequent basis, uh, whether it's a fertilizer or an herbicide. It's a dependency that is a self-fulfilling cycle. So to break that cycle is very difficult. Well, I know I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. We'll go into more depth on this in future episodes of how to transition your lawn to something that doesn't take as much work and is also much healthier for your family. So we'll talk about that more. But that's a very big piece in order to reduce your lawn maintenance. In addition to reducing the maintenance burden of your current lawn, there are also more uh, extreme or radical transitions you can do that replace your lawn or transition your lawn to a low-maintenance type lawn itself. And it doesn't sound very clear there, but essentially what I'm saying is there's certain varieties of grass or other low-growing ground covers that uh, provide, um, a lot of times they're called an alternative lawn, but um, really I don't necessarily see them as an alternative, as just a, uh, a different type of lawn. And some examples of this, we, I've actually tr- tested some of these in our own landscape, is I've had a really great success with this one type of lawn called a no-mow fescue lawn. This is only a northern climate lawn. So in southern Ohio, we're actually in the uh, transition phase of this lawn, where if you're much south of, say, like Kentucky or, or middle of Tennessee, this lawn might not do well in the heat of the summer and the warmer months. It actually requires a certain amount of cold uh, cold period to thrive. That's when the roots develop on these colder season grasses. So this Nomo fescue, it actually is a very, it's a, a mix of varieties of different fine fescues that can grow these, these very thin blades and they grow, they still grow about almost, um, eight to 12 inches, but they, as they grow their, their blades aren't strong enough to support themselves so it kind of flops over and gives this it's kind of like a little bit of a shaggy appearance but it's actually really appealing look with like a a rolling carpet of a lawn and there's a lot of nuances that go into establishing um, certain different varieties of grass even just your conventional lawn 
making sure you establish it properly goes a really long way to ensuring the success. And this goes just as same with uh, this this Nomo lawn. And there are other examples as well, but this is one that I've specifically experimented with with success. But like I said, establishment is very important as well with it. So you can also transition your lawn to where this Nomo lawn that we have, I only mow our, our most successful section of it that is uh, relatively free of weeds I don't irrigate it. I don't water or <laughs> I don't irrigate it. I don't water it and I don't fertilize it. And I only mow it when it goes to seed in about mid-June. I'll mow it then. And I might mow it toward the end of fall just before leaf drop and uh, so I can pick up the leaves. And that's about it. It's really, truly a no slash low maintenance lawn. And it's great. So... I think we've done a pretty good bit on the lawns. There's a lot that goes into lawn maintenance and how we can reduce work there. Um, But that's all we're going to touch on now for the sake of time. And let's move on to the next piece, which is good quality transitions. If you think about your landscape, there are several transitions that occur um, between one type of space to another. So this could be a transition between your driveway to your lawn or walkway to your lawn. Uh, it could be a transition between a lawn and a garden bed or, uh, different types of space like that. Uh, the area around a tree versus the rest of your garden or, uh, area around a tree versus your lawn. So each of these transitions between different types of space requires some sort of border or barrier to prevent unwanted growth of certain things. And or at the same time, these transition can also prevent the growth of unwanted things such as weeds. So if you don't have the right type of transition, a good durable transition, then you will get ongoing maintenance necessary or unwanted growth of unwanted plants. Some examples of good transitions, the the mind immediately goes toward uh, borders, right? So these... um, border pieces, edging that you can put in to mark the barrier between, say, a lawn and a garden. And those things, as long as you put in a durable uh, border, these things can be very effective at preventing unwanted growth of different plants. So things to think about when you're looking at a transition space, how do you prevent uh, the extended growth of certain things, whether it's a garden plant that you have that might expand into your lawn, you would want to prevent that. Or alternatively, providing an unwanted plant space to grow. We're going to finish up with a maintenance plan. So a low maintenance yard requires a low maintenance plan. That's the simple piece here. So A lot of time, if you consider your maintenance regime for your yard, most people, they have a flurry of activity in the spring followed by a summer maintenance routine and and you might have a certain project or two that you're building. Projects are great. Um, That's how you transition a yard and and grow beauty in your yard is through projects. So we're not going to talk about the project piece here, but specifically the, the ongoing maintenance part. So Aside from projects in summer, you also have your summer maintenance routine. A lot of times this is mowing, weeding, spraying. Sometimes there's uh, fertilizing going on. 
And then followed up by your fall activity again, which is a lot of times there's a fertilization routine for your lawn and your garden, uh, getting ready for the dormancy of a cooler season in northern climates and moving into winter or, uh, or a dormant season of the colder seasons. During this whole year-long maintenance regime, most people have quite a bit of activity that they're doing in their yard that they don't necessarily want to be doing, but they want the beauty that comes out of this maintenance plan. So if we transition to just overall focusing on reducing maintenance, that focus in itself will help release some of the burden that you put on yourself to maintain your yard. So by just letting things get out of control just a little bit more in between your maintenance program or spending a little more time in between mowings um, really can go a long way to stretching out some of this maintenance regime that you might have and free up more time and space in your lifestyle. So aside from complete redesign or incremental redesign of your space, there are just typical mindset things you can do to change your lifestyle around your yard. So for me, with our yard, I actually put a priority over our yard with our family. And this means when I get home from work during the summer, a lot of times when I'm planning to mow the lawn or take care of some overgrowing weeds in the garden, instead what I'll do is sometimes I'll, I'll push off those plans in order to go to the park with my kids or go take them for a hike. If it's a beautiful day, why waste such a beautiful day doing chores when you could be spending it with your family? So to the chagrin of my neighbors sometimes, I I put off maintenance plans, and everybody's the better for it really at the end of the day because by waiting just a few more days to cut the grass or to pull some weeds, it doesn't really matter. It actually frees up your time and your energy and your stress. And then in the the low points of activity or when things aren't as great, it might be a cloudy day or or whatever, you can go out and you mow the grass, take care of things. Or when you're feeling uh, low energy and maybe a little bored, it can be something you do to get up and get moving. So just this change, it kind of goes back to the, the first point, change in mindset. With this change of mindset and seeing how it affects your maintenance plan, you can really free up some of your time and more importantly, your energy and a reduced stress level that can make a big difference in your life. So that's all I've got as far as what makes a low maintenance yard. That covers a lot of points. There are a lot of nuances that can go in here. We could talk and talk about other things we could do. But overall, these are the points I picked out as the primary drivers of making a low-maintenance yard, aside from total redesign of your yard and your landscape, which, to be honest, that, that would be great. That would be awesome. I would love to do it to our yard. But the reality is, a lot of times, we don't have the time to do a complete full overhaul or the money or the just physical planning capability to do something like that. So in the meantime, these are the things that we can do in our yard, in our life, to free up time, to reduce our burden when it comes to our yard, and to still have a beautiful, attractive landscape. So to kind of recap some of these things we've talked about, 
We started off by talking about the right mindset. So episode one, we talked about that your your life, your family, your loved ones, your time is much more important than your yard. And while we want to have a beautiful yard, we don't want it to rule our lifestyle. A lot of the factors that go into it is is around plants. And so we talked about healthy plants. Having good, happy, healthy plants goes a long way toward making a low-maintenance landscape. And so understanding the right factors that make a healthy plant without having to provide continuous long-term inputs to make that happy plant will, in turn, make a beautiful landscape with less work. Healthy soil is the foundation to healthy plants. So that's the next piece, is ensuring that you have good, healthy soil as a foundation for your plant growth. Having the right plant in the right place, whether it's a native plant that's well adapted to your region through long-term evolution, or more recently, it might be an introduced exotic that hopefully is non-invasive, but well adapted to the conditions that you live in. Perennial plants provide a long-term beauty that comes back every year without a significant amount of input, provided that you've put it in the right place with the right conditions. Grouped plantings provide a reduced maintenance burden by grouping together the type of maintenance you have to do in a specific space. So that was, in a nutshell, what episode two was about. In episode three, we talked about having low-resource plants to begin with. So low-resource plants are plants that don't require a ton of fertility unless you live in beautiful, lush forest with great soil. Most likely, the fertility in your landscape is slightly reduced or significantly reduced. And so establishing plants that can take care of themselves in reduced fertility conditions are very important. Providing full coverage in your garden areas and in your lawn prevents the unwanted growth of weeds or, uh, well, that's basically it. Unwanted growth of weeds. An unwanted plant is considered a weed. So so growth of weeds uh, is prevented by full coverage of your landscape. A reduced lawn maintenance routine um, really goes a long way to providing you extra time and reducing your stress and workload. Along with that, establishing a low-maintenance lawn to begin with, if you're establishing a new lawn or ready to reestablish your lawn, this uh, these options can be really beneficial in the long term by providing beauty on its own without significant inputs like a conventional lawn. Good, strong transition phases are very important in between different types of, of areas of your garden and your lawn. So this could be a barrier between uh, a garden bed and your lawn, such as your typically thought of uh, border. So a durable border goes a long way to preventing expansion of your garden bed into your lawn or expansion of your lawn into your garden bed. At the same time, it also helps prevent weed growth in these transition areas. And to wrap up, we kind of came full circle with a maintenance plan that reflects your mindset that your life, your lifestyle is more important than your yard when it comes to maintenance. 
So with that, we wrap up our review of what makes a low-maintenance yard. And I really hope these these ideas kind of spur some new thinking for you of how you can transform your life through your landscape. So I'd love to hear from you what you're planning on doing with your yard, as well as I would love to hear you subscribing to the podcast to listen to new episodes and to leave a review in iTunes or your favorite format to listen to this show. Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but parte. Uh, the launch parte is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a wor- spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and And uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch parte gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, Next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch party, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, And this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, And uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Uh, But Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's... uh, going to be getting involved in the launch party. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has offered a a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability shipped through the continental U.S. and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called plantingjustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to rollingrivernursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash 
pod launch and that's p-o-d-l-a-u-n-c-h there's a link in the show notes um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved one is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on facebook and the other is through leaving a review on itunes both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people other friends listening to it as well and i uh, sure appreciate your help here and and likewise uh, this is going to be a fun time so uh so go on over and to aestheticecosystems.com slash podlaunch to get involved. So thanks for coming by. And remember, whatever you do, live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.